This is Possibility Politics with Jeff Stein. The show where social, political, economic, spiritual, and philosophical discourse goes to live. We never give up the high moral ground, take no political divisioners, and fight until the bitterness ends. And now, here's your host, recovering hope addict and paid volunteer in the American experiment, Jeff Stein. Thank you, Eric Harthen. I am Jeff Stein. Juan Velasquez sitting next to me doing the show. Thank you, uh, Brian, Executive Brian, for uh, making it grow. And, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> it's such an interesting world we're living in, right? You know, when John Lennon or Paul McCartney found themselves in times of trouble, Mother Mary comforted them. So goes the song, right? Uh, but when you're a democracy geek like me, there are two things that comfort me, history and universal truth. And when you're in an era like ours of high growth and high contrast, as we are, which, by the way, is a universal truth, that if you have high contrast, if there is great discord, meaning lots of things are happening that you don't want, then you must have high growth. That is a equal and opposite reaction, kind of Newtonian and a consciousness standpoint. And it means that the, that, that the desire for what you do want is more enlarged in you when you focus on the fact that what you don't want is happening, and the same is true of the populace. It is, it, I mean, it's linearly, linearly logical to think of it that way, but it's also a universal truth that when you notice what you don't want, an equal desire for what is wanted must exist. It has to exist, right? Because in order to be upset that something's happening you don't like, there must be a desire for what you prefer to happen. And don't underestimate the power of that. That is what drives us forward. We fears are temporary. Panic is temporary. Uh, you know, crimes are temporary. But the that those don't wants that led to the what we do want are the lasting parts. You know, and then like I say, with history, it's been fun to watch because we're going to get into that more. Believe me, this is going to weave. These two are things going to weave through the tr- throughout the show. Universal truths and history. It, but in, on history, it's been fun to watch how people are, are looking to history. You know, we're in a little bit of chaos, kind of like 1968 all over again. And uh, and so people are kind of looking through history to see the, see where this has happened before. But it's fascinating because it varies widely as to what people are looking for when they go through history. Some are looking for evidence of accelerating decline, right? They're looking for Armageddon. <laughs> They're looking for reasons to believe that we're almost near the end. Some are looking for lessons and cautionary tales, like, oh, this has happened before, so hey, everybody, look at this, let's not do it again. But I look to history for assurance, because it helps me see how we're evolving into our truth. And I like to say it's like the stock market. If you take a 10-year period of a stock market, or in this case, social market, if you take a 10-year period of racism or genderism or income inequality or political tribalism, you will see crashes and surges. But over at least a 10-year, maybe a 20, maybe a 30, depending upon the the arc of of a situation, but over a longer period, society overall has progressed, grown, become more authentic. It is a certainty. We must become 
what we have become. We cannot resist it. And if we go to our grave doing, you know, and I'm not going to change, I'm going to stay this way forever, well, then the next generation is going to take over and the rotation occurs. That's why the new generations come in and the old ones go out and the new ones come in and uh, because uh, it allows us to evolve. And hopefully you know you're eternal so you won't feel like that that's a sad thing. Another topic for another show. Listen to my Daily Belief Game where we talk about eternity and what it's like to... Anyway, uh, but we'll weave this you know, history and universal truth into topics today on, on obstruction of justice, <laughs> collusion, the deep state, the so-called deep state, uh, the differences in bubbles, because man, the bubbles are getting strange now. Fortunately, they're getting uh, like smaller. There's the, the, the far radical kind of right, with all due respect, bubble that's getting smaller but more loud the Hannity bubble, if you want to say, and then the other bubbles uh, of folks who are kind of seeing the you know the broader news without you know taking feeding themselves the one style. Uh, that bubbles is changing too, and we'll talk about that. And we'll talk about the general state of anxiety in our nation, and hopefully alleviate some of those fears. But on the topic of uh, universal truth, um, universal truths are things like. Love is better than fear. Uh, honesty is better than lying. Being your authentic self always works better than deluding yourself with the need to be right <laughs> and more dangerously having a fear of being wrong. A lot of people you know, probably yourself included, have had a need to be right, but even more dangerous, again, is a fear of being wrong. And you can feel the difference there, right? It's like, I would really want to be right. And if you really want to be right and someone says, but this is the new fact, you go, oh, well, I want to be right. I'm going to adopt the new fact. But if you really are terrified of being wrong because you think it's an attribution of your failure or it's recognition of your self-worth being compromised, then you will not uh, allow that to occur. You will put up your bunker and you will hold on to a falsehood to your grave in order to not have the tor- horrible shame of being wrong. There's no shame in being wrong. And thank God that you've heard me say this on the show before. Common Core, the educational system, includes uh, these different ideas, uh, cooperativeness, teams, uh, folks, projects, and, and, and critical thinking. But one of the ones I got from a, a Common Core lover, teacher, who's really implemented it to great excel, excel, excelling, Mr. Brinton, there is his name at my uh, son's uh, high school. He uh, is a math teacher, and he teaches this, this expression, try, struggle, fail, fix, learn. Try, struggle, fail, fix, learn. Meaning that there's no shame in fail. Fail is part of the process. Being wrong is part of discovering how to be right. We've got to let that go. All right. And if you do, uh, if you do manage to get rid of your need to be rightness, you will not only have, and your you start becoming your authentic self. You will not only avoid being a hypocrite. You will not fear the hypocrites getting away with it. Right, we right. You can feel that one when you see a hypocrite. You go, ah! I just, ah, I want them to suffer and be exposed and be destroyed for their hypocrisy. Right? <laughs> Why? That's us, not them. Uh, that's obviously our issue <laughs> that we're dealing with. So, uh, because the truth, you know, if you if you uh, if you stand in your truth, that's the point. The way to do this is stand your truth and you and you're knowing that love, truth, kindness, faith, humanity, they will always prevail, then you will prevail with it. <laughs> and you will be able to watch again hypocrites and know that they are there that they will self-destruct. 
that they're uh, fault, they're living in denial, they're living contradiction of their own selves. They're contradicting. They're they're lying to themselves if they're a hypocrite. That will fall of its own weight. You don't have to push them over. And ironically, if you try to push back against them, they just build bigger walls and deeper bunkers. And so now they've made a purpose out of opposing you and making you wrong. So we're going to do that. So coming up, we're going to talk about the Me Too movement and the latest incarnation that involves one Hillary Clinton. Also today, I'll talk about the painfully obvious uh, proof of uh, obstruction of justice that we're seeing uh, and alleviate some fears. All of that. uh, Thank you for listening as we continue with Possibility Politics. This is Possibility Politics, the place where social, political, popular, and unpopular culture is seen through the lens of possibility, purpose, and a little bit of sarcasm. I'm Jeff Stein. Thank you for listening. Uh, Feel free to join me on uh, Facebook and Twitter. You know, I have to do the social media promotion. Uh, If you're listening to the show, you probably know how to get a hold of me because you're smart. And (laughs) and if you have a serious question or something, I'm always up for it. If you're not asking questions, then I'm assuming that you're loving it exactly the way it is. Okay. Uh, (laughs) When I come into the show, I I ask myself, what am I doing? I always want to know. I focus everything to what do I want? Why do I want it? And my what do I want and why do I want is I feel like I watch folks kind of freaking out. Everybody's kind of freaking out. I was even watching my wife on the couch sitting there as we're watching the news and the stuff's coming down about, uh, you know, Andrew McCabe leaving and there's this and she gets very scared. Uh, Sorry, baby, I'm I'm telling people about you. Uh, She gets scared that, like everybody does, that that they're going to get away with this. You know, this idea of, oh, my gosh, they're going to get away with their crimes. Uh, And I think on the on the right, they share that the far right, that Hillary is going to get away with her crimes, right? There's this universal kind of like, who, how are they going to get... Your first thing is to recognize that crimes never do pay. Crimes doesn't pay. It, it always does catches up and it, and, and, it, and it corrects itself. And again, the moment all of us recognize that that is something we don't want, uh, we immediately pivot and can move towards what we do want. These, these are not... Let me give you an example. So, because um, you don't want to focus on being right and acting on your fears instead of your hopes. So, for instance, for Trumpers, taking down Hillary or Obama's legacy is not going to make President Trump successful. And I know you're hearing me say it, and you go, I know, I know, I know, that's not the point. Well, okay, then, <laughs> then you need to focus on that. And, and if you're looking at President Trump, and I assume you are if you're being honest with yourself, and you're saying, well, this, he's not doing what he promised. He's not living up to what I voted for him to do. And there's an old line FDR first said, I believe, uh, but has been said by other politicians, when the people voting for them are trying to get them to live up to their campaign promises, there's a line, you've convinced me, now make me do it. You've convinced me, now make me do it. And what that refers to is keep demanding because a politician moves on the public will. Yes, we always say, oh, we're going to hire a leader, and a leader's going to go out there like Donald Trump. They're going to shake it up, and they're going to tear it up, and they're just going to make it happen. You know what? That shows his political naivete, with all due respect to you Trump lovers, because that's not how it works. There's a reason every previous president uh, gets out and, and forms a coalition, and he gathers support in the Congress, and then he gathers support from people. And if he can't get support in one or the other, he goes and he works on them, and he sells them, there, he or she, he up until now, sells them on their ideas and tries to make it happen. And if you're a person, if you're the, one of the people, and you want your politician to live up to it, then you make him do it. And that means Trumpers keep demanding President Trump focus on jobs, 
on infrastructure, the opioid crisis, these things, that made you elect him. That made you say, I'm voting for this guy because he's going to do a trillion in infrastructure and get us jobs. And he's going to get jobs by bringing them back or whatever, which isn't going to happen. Technology is why you lost your jobs. You probably figured that one out. But there are ways. There's lots of ways that presidents and congresses can in- juice up the job market. And one of the best ways is to raise, wa- raise wages. But that's not interesting. That used to be a conservative idea, too. But now conservatives have decided that uh, you know minimum wage and this sort of things are an- anathema. As they say, they're against all of that, all they believe in. I don't understand that. Being from a raising the House of Eisenhower Republicans, um, you used any tool. Republicans and Democrats uh, varied, most didn't vary so differently by, you know, by race or by gender or by whatever. It was, it was more divided just by uh, how the current approach was. And the, the, the party that could be rewarded was the one who used the tools that were available. If you needed to, to juice up labor, then you juice up labor. If you need to juice up corporations, you juice up cor- whatever. You know, you you figure out if it needs to be done in a more socialist manner, uh, like healthcare, where the incentive should be how healthy people are, uh, versus a profit situation like innovation, where you know competing for the the dollar makes people inspires people to make a better cell phone. So you know you want to you want to be able to use all tools. And my family of Eisenhower Republicans used to believe in that sort of thing. They used to, you know they still do, and that's why they've shifted away from the Republican Republican Party, sadly, because they're not really following that much, uh, which I hope that it will change. Anyway, Trumpers, I don't mean to bash Republicans. If you want to make America great again, you got to keep that goldfish attention span of Donald Trump to focus on the task at hand. We got to keep him focused on the opioid crisis and focused on jobs and focused on infrastructure. And don't just make excuses for him Make him be what he promised to be. And that's where when you when you find yourself being more concerned about being identified as wrong, you more, more want to be right than wrong and, and, and more than want to be, I'm sorry, more, the idea of wanting to be, uh, to do something good versus being just right. That's when you make excuses for someone. You spend all your time saying, yeah, but you're worse. You know, what about ism? All these sort of things. If you're catching yourself doing that, then uh, you can live in that hypocrisy as long as you want. And, you know, again, it's a free country and you're, you can have your free will, but you will receive in your own personal life circumstances that will match the contradiction that you are carrying in your soul. Uh, be for what you're for instead of being uh, attacking the enemies of what you're against. <laughs> um and for those fearing now on the on the left, for those fearing that President Trump will Trump will escape his crimes, uh, any more that Trumpers worry that Hillary will escape hers. Well, uh, look at what's happening with Hillary and the aid. We'll come to that in a minute. So, because uh, sometimes you 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 get held accountable in ways you wouldn't normally expect. You don't have to be locked up in jail to be held accountable. Sometimes you just get uh, your your behavior is forced to change. So on the topic of, uh, of this wonderful thing called obstruction of justice, I love where we are with this. We, we've traveled uh, so far and and then all this scattering, you know, everyone's getting scared on the left that I've seen that, that Trump's going to get away with it, right? And one of my favorite Republicans has this quote, Theodore Roosevelt, one of my favorite Republicans, he says, No man is above the law and no man is below it. Nor do we ask any man's permission when we require him to obey it. Obedience to the law is demanded as a right, not asked as a favor. That's good. See, there's your history. It's like, oh, yeah, okay, that's right. This has been the truth of all history. And yes, there have been crimes that have happened and and circumstances that have been uh, punitive damage from those. But it doesn't change the truth that is true always. That, you, you know, if you're in a, a nation of laws and which we're going to stay in. So let me alleviate you on the first one which is that 
you know, Trump and, the, and, and this is just going to our, our democracy is going to collapse and this is the crisis and this is how it's all going to fall apart. Right. It's this you get this feeling of like, oh, my gosh, he's he's flipping all the people in the FBI and he's going to take over all the institutions. And then and then he's just going to be allowed to be a dictator who can commit any crime or say anything or do anything. He could shoot people in Fifth Avenue and no one will care about it. In fact, Seth Meyers had a hilarious joke. Well, I'll play it a bit. <laughs> Seth Meyers has a good joke about that. But um let me t- let me just one of the great ways to alleviate your fears is to play it out and see if it really makes sense. So what you're telling me is that the malignant narcissist in ch- narcissist in chief, sorry, uh, Trump friends, he's a narcissist, uh, and that wouldn't necessarily be a bad thing. Most presidents are, to a degree, narcissists. Uh, we just have one's kind of a malignant one. It doesn't say anything else but his own concerns. But anyway, uh, that was a shot. Take it for what it is. You can figure out for yourself that there's truth in that. But if if you think that this is going to go the way your fears goes, that means that this man who, despite any personal failings or not, uh, who has almost no loyalty, he demands it. And the classic example of people that always demand loyalty is usually because they don't give it. He has a handful of people that may or may not be loyal to him. I mean, the Steve Bannons, but even look at it, he, even the, the two victims, the, the obsessive, pers- the, per- the perpetually persecuted Donald Trump and Steve Bannon, uh, their victimhood had to result in some sort of uh, div- division because they could only be bonded by their universal hatred of common enemies for so long. They would eventually turn upon each other when something went wrong and have to force the blame, right? If you think that is going to change democracy, so you're saying to me, your fear is that democracy, uh, all the people in the FBI, 35,000 people in the FBI and, and people in the, in the ethics departments and justice and all the Congress people, enough Congress people and enough people in institutions and enough people in America on the streets are suddenly going, you know what? This democracy thing, nah, let's skip it. Let's just go with the uh, with the dictator uh, plan. I like the dictator plan. And this seems, this guy seems like the right guy, right? This guy seems just like the right guy to make a dictator. And then we'll just switch from democracy to dictatorship and allow him to be above the law. And, and we're just going to disregard everything that Theodore Roosevelt and any other Republican ever said before it. And just to, just go, nah, nah, he, he can do what he wants whenever he wants, however he wants. And there will be no repercussions. You see how silly that sounds? That is not going to happen. And that is why I remain comforted. I watch the news and I watch my wife panic, all due respect, sweetie. Uh, and I'm just looking at going, oh my God, this is so funny. Oh my God, they really think that they're going to get away with this. They're, and look how they're acting. And when you have that clarity, when you know that human decency and kindness and inspiration and, and joy and love and all those things always prevail, you can watch and, and accurately identify whether or not they're going to go down and how they're going to go down. You will see it coming. Let me give you a little Seth Meyers to give you an example. So now this brings up a simple question. Why would Donald Trump do this? Why does he keep going out of his way to interfere with the investigation? Well, there are two possible answers. One, he's guilty. Or two, he asked the FBI director for a pledge of loyalty, asked him to stop his investigation of Michael Flynn, fired the FBI director, admitted he fired him because of the Russia investigation, bragged to the Russians that he did it because of the Russia investigation, pressured the attorney general not to recuse himself, pressured the heads of the intelligence agencies to intervene, and tried to fire the special counsel who took over the Russia investigation because he's innocent? See? You see what it It makes it so clear. You know, I remember during the OJ trial, it was a huge thing here in Los Angeles back way back in 1995. 
Um, and everybody was like, oh my gosh, is he guilty? Is he, I don't know. Did he do it? Watch him. It was If, if you had the clarity uh, to be able to see him, you, you could just say, what is his behavior? Is his behavior that of an innocent person? No! <laughs> and neither is Donald Trump's, and neither is Devin Nunes. Uh, who's now releasing, they're trying to release this memo, which is just this crafted argument with classified information in the intent to discredit, apparently, Rod Rosenstein for the purpose of removing him so they can remove another Justice Department person so they could try to uh, stop the Mueller investigation. If you were totally innocent, if you if what Donald Trump said is true, no collusion, there's no collusion, no collusion, then... And if you were an innocent person, let's say you were convicted, you were, uh, I mean, I'm sorry, arrested for a murder that you weren't, there's no way, you've never killed anybody in your life, you never even had the intent to kill somebody, you wouldn't have any problem allowing the investigation to proceed forward. You'd be like, say anything you want, I will let the facts prove I wasn't there, I didn't do it, you don't have my DNA, there's just no way I'm going to be convicted for this. So let's get to the exoneration as quickly as possible. And of course, Donald Trump will say that, and they'll repeat that on Fox News, that I just want to get this through and get it exonerated, and be exonerated. But all of his actions are someone who's guilty. And I can assure you, a good example is Don McGahn, right? Here's the White House lawyer who was previously a lawyer for evangelicals. It's kind of funny, but he's famous for losing lawsuits. <laughs> and I don't mean that to disparage him. He was a lawyer for evangelical causes who were trying to push legal cases that were so unconstitutional, Don McGahn never had a chance of ever winning them. Okay, because <laughs> separation of church and state, uh, equal equal protections, there's just a million parts of the Constitution that made his cases hopeless. But he fought them because he was paid to fight them uh, on behalf of evangelicals. And I don't care what his history is. He rose and was a patriot. Donald Trump told him, said, I'm, I want to get rid of Mob, Mob Mueller now, which again, guilty. What do you care? What do you care if Mob, Bob Mueller's doing? If you're afraid that Bob Mueller's going to do a witch hunt and come up with something that's false, well, then wait. Let him say something. As soon as Bob Mueller comes up with something, you'll be able to say, well, that's false because I didn't do it. I didn't collude with Russia. But if you did, <laughs> then you're going to say over and over again, I didn't collude. I didn't collude. I didn't collude. Trust me. And then try to stop it and try to kick sand in the referee's face. Right. Or as my friend, Executive Brian says, uh, uh, taking him out on a cross pattern in football so that he can't, <laughs> can't get you for pass interference. So uh, <laughs> whatever holding uh, offensive penalty. So uh, anyway, <laughs> they it's it's going to be just fine. Uh, and it's going to be fine for Trumpers, too, because actually, believe it or not, what you want, you want infrastructure. You want health care for everybody like Donald Trump promised? You want treatment for opioids? Guess what? All of the, the insurgency of candidates that are running right now, most of them are Democrats. So you're going to have to swallow that reality. But, but some of them are Republicans. But most of the candidates who are said, I'm disgusted by this. I'm running on state levels as well as local government and, of course, on federal levels. <laughs> they all share that opinion. That uh, we have to have do America first, but they just don't see it as the racist America first, which I'm sorry, that's borrowed from the Lindbergh expression. That's what he said, and he meant racism. They mean America first, meaning we got to uh, take care of our people. It's great that we're doing international things, but we got to, uh, you know, have health care. We got to have jobs and we got to have our opioid crisis. And so that is on its way. That desire is born and real and will be realized you like it or not. All right. Coming up, I want to talk about uh, how I deal with this. Do I want to do I want the truth or do I want to soothe myself? 
I'll give you the answer to that question when I return to Possibility Politics. This is Possibility Politics, where I try to grow the knowing and keep the minds blowing. Thank you for listening. I'm Jeff Stein. And, uh, well, let's, uh, I think that the next introduction is, uh, is appropriate. Let's uh, bring back in uh, Seth Myers. Now, Mueller isn't just investigating alleged collusion with Russia. He's also investigating whether Trump or anyone else tried to obstruct that investigation. And last week, we got yet another lead in that obstruction case. Breaking news tonight, the New York Times reporting President Trump ordered special counsel Robert Mueller to be fired last June and only back down when White House counsel Don McGahn threatened to quit if he was forced to do so. Amazing. Trump is mad that he's being investigated for obstruction of justice, so his plan to get out of it is to obstruct justice. <laughs> if Trump was the captain of the Titanic, his plan would have been to hit a second iceberg. <laughs> Thank you, Seth. Uh, that's one thing I want to point out to him. McGahn, remember, this is a patriot. This is a person who said, I am not going to join you in the commission of obstruction of justice because if he enabled or encouraged or acquiesced to Donald Trump firing Bob Mueller, that would be, he's a lawyer, he knows, that's pretty clinically clear, unquestionable obstruction of justice. So he didn't do it. He didn't commit a crime for the president. But Executive Brian, you had a point that maybe it's not that he's guilty, but what do you say? Well, along the path of Trump self-implosion here, it's just that (laughs) I find it, is it not possible that he's such a deep narcissist that has nothing to do with guilt, it has everything to do with him not being liked, and therefore he has to shut those people down? And, and that's a reason. And I'm, if you're a Trumper right now, you're probably hearing that saying, yeah, yeah, no, he's innocent. He just doesn't like the distraction. The distraction is hurting his policy. Okay. And again, if that is your argument, Trumpers, then we have to, again, if you're a supporter of Trump, you gotta you got to double your efforts and say, Mr. President, let this go. You, you know, you, 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 you got to tell him that it's okay. You know, if Fox News wanted to help him, they would say, Mr. President, ignore this investigation. We know you're innocent, and, so just ignore it and get back to policy because we don't want to be distracted. That's that discussion we had previously with regard to people normally in this situation say, I cannot wait for my day in court to be proven innocent yes. and exonerated and move on. Yes. So, and that is the, the crux of it. You know, you're, you're, he's behaving like a guilty guy. And if you don't think he's guilty, then get him back on task. That's the only way that, because uh, if this Russia thing is distracting, it's hurting his policy, and we haven't, he hasn't had a single, you know, decent policy in all this time, get him back on policy. That's the only way uh, that it's, it's going to work out. So, and if you're wondering how this is playing uh, out there, I think it, yeah, let me see. I should do the, 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 the McCabe stuff is fascinating. Uh, I don't know if I have time for that. Let me do the, the how Fox News, as again, Seth Myers puts it together nicely, how, we, how they're spinning what Trump is doing. So there's now a clear established pattern of Trump attempting to meddle in the FBI and the Russia investigation. But one of the most fascinating things about this episode has been watching the reaction from the right. In fact, the last few days have been a very revealing look into how the right-wing propaganda machine works. Just take Fox News, so Sean Hannity is an example. When the news first broke on Thursday night, Hannity did what he usually does and dismissed it. At this hour, the New York Times is trying to distract you. They have a story that Trump wanted Mueller fired sometime last June, and our sources, and I've checked in with many of them, they're not confirming that tonight. And the president's attorney dismissed the story and says, no, no comment, we're not going there. And how many times has the New York Times and others gotten it wrong? So that was Hannity's first response. Then about 40 minutes later, the journalists at Fox the News show. confirmed the story. And Hannity had to issue an awkward update. All right, so we have sources tonight just confirming to Ed Henry that, yeah, maybe Donald Trump wanted a fire. 
the special counsel for conflict. Does he not have the right to raise those questions? You know, we'll deal with this tomorrow night. I mean, just, it's okay. It's all right. It's fine. It's fine. We have right. a shocking video of the day to bring you, by the way. This footage comes to us from Arizona, where Change the you see that red SUV, high-speed police chase. Ultimately, the suspect's vehicle slams into another car, flips several times before coming to a stop. Wow, I've never seen someone crash and burn like that. <laughs> and the yeah. car chase video was bad, too. That's right, baby. Fox News' own reporters, own reporters confirmed the story. But then the next morning, Trump spoke to reporters in Davos and called the story fake news. So then... Fox had to reverse itself all over again to fall in line with Trump, going against their own reporting and dismissing the story as fake. Let's take a look at the cover of the New York Times up there in the corner, Ted, this corner over here. Uh, there's a big story that apparently the President of the United States last June wanted to fire Robert Mueller. We heard back in June that there were talks of the President wasn't happy with Bob Mueller, what would he do? Right. But some new details that may or may not actually be true. All right, well, the may President says it's fake news. That happened last June. Do yeah. you, you know, it's something we have to tell you about because it is a headline in the New York Times. What do you think about that? Do you even care? Something you probably do care right. about is immigration. Oh my God. <laughs> they will literally do whatever Trump says. I think if Trump did actually shoot someone in the middle of Fifth Avenue, the Fox Chiron would be Trump solves jaywalking problem in New York. Right? And that doesn't serve you. If you are a Trump supporter, I'm not doing this to mock Fox News. Well, yeah. But I'm trying to say that if you're spending all your effort spinning and spinning the critics and attacking the enemies, Instead of saying, how do we help Mr. Trump uh, be what he brought, what he intended to be, then you're just going to be in a war with your enemies and you're never going to escape that. You're going to be in a circle and cycle of victimhood. And that's what they are. They're perpetually persecuted right now on, on Fox News. Yeah, there's Shep Smith and there's some others on there who are are talking some truth amongst it all. And, and truth schmooth, right? It's like I asked you a question a minute ago. Do I want, because I know that my wife will look at this, my friends look at this, whether on the left or the right, and they wonder whether they want, you know, because you talk about, well, you can get the information you want, right? Because you can always just, you can Google. The great example of this one is, is um, they took a, a Googling on the phone of a Democrat, on the phone of a, of a Republican, and the phone of an independent. And they had each one of them just Google Egypt. So, right? So on the Republican phone, there was stuff about the Muslim Brotherhood and, the, and, and you know, radical extremists taking up in Egypt. On the Democrats' phone, it was about Tahrir Square and protests and, and the Arab Spring. And then on the Independents' phone, when they Googled Egypt, it came up with travel information, right? So <laughs> you can literally get whatever you want. And if that is what you want to get, so the, so the question becomes, do I want the truth or do I just want to soothe myself with news that obviously makes me feel good, right? Do I want the truth or do I want to soothe myself? And the answer is yes <laughs> to both of those. Of course you want the truth, and I know you would agree with that, even though you may be kidding yourself. But you also do want to soothe yourself. Take care of your mental house. This is a little note, left to right, I don't care where you're from. If you're finding that, like, if you're on the right and you're watching Fox News too much and 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 then you go into the barista to get your cup of coffee and you're convinced that the guy behind the counter is shortchanging you because that's what institutions do, you know, that's Starbucks, they're always just trying to shave it off and I'll bet they're all just trying, if they just took a, a dime or a, a, 20, a 20 cents from every customer, that'd be like a billion dollars. See, they could just kill it. Whoa, where did all that come from, right? That should indicate to you that you're too deep in your conspiracy theories. Likewise, if you're on the 
left and you're seeing, thinking the whole thing is going to collapse in any minute and that racism is just going to go crazy and that there's nobody learning any lessons, it's just getting worse, then same thing. It's going to make you bitter. <laughs> it's going to make you upset. So yes, you do have to soothe yourself. And sometimes soothing yourself means staying away from the news a little while. Listen to my show. It'll be much more calming, I promise, than uh, checking out the news, which will almost invariably uh, stress you out, right? (laughs) Uh, That's all I got to say about that. Uh, That's all I have to say about that. Um, Because they're going to, I'll give you a couple predictions, all right, because this is what's coming out, right? We're we're looking at this Devin Nunes thing. He's going to do this memo, which will happen after the State of the Union. They're going to try to upset the cart. And and here's the thing. When you try to uh, take action in fear, and it is clear that Devin Nunes is in fear, uh, and Trey Gowdy and these other guys, I, I, I don't know if you remember, but when Devin Nunes first had that stunt where he ran the uh, the note over to the White House, which turned out to be just the White House feeding itself a, a, a story about the, you know, the, about the investigation, um, there was some stories that started popping the news that I haven't seen much follow-up on, that his wineries were financed, at least in part, by Russian money, whether illegally or otherwise, or money laundering. And then when you see in that context, and then you notice him going, basically being willing to commit ethical crimes at minimum and potential, you know, they, what did they hate most about Hillary Clinton was that she had her emails and they might, she might have exposed classified information. Remember that? Classified information. We can't have that. Well, now they're happy to expose classified information if it means exposing the FBI as some sort of corrupt arm of the deep state of Hillary and, and Obama. And that is such a small little cabal of people, it's not gonna stick, it won't last, (laughs) because it's just a little group. The rest of us are not gonna suddenly go, yeah, you know, Devin Nunes, you're right, we don't need democracy anymore, we should just let you guys decide what's true and we'll just accept it. Not gonna happen. When we come back, me too, Hillary Clinton, and some honesty about that from the left on Hillary Clinton when we return to Possibility Politics. The final segment of Possibility Politics, the place where we look at this great experiment called America, and hopefully leave her better than we found her. I'm Jeff Stein. Thanks for listening. And, um, well, the comedians do it best. A uh, little thing happened with Hillary Clinton and the Grammys. You know, she was on the Grammys. Uh, you may have saw that. Great and amazing Grammys with some, I mean, I could do a whole show on the political uh, reckoning. That is happening in, I mean, you know, this is like the Golden Globes. I just you, you see these moments. This is like 1968 all over again. When it gets so loud, when it becomes so clear to so many people that what we don't want is happening, people start saying in every venue, uh, either pointing out that, it's, that it, we don't want it and or hopefully pointing to what we do want. Like Me Too and and The Reckoning and anyway, so Hillary Clinton read they did an audiobook joke thing. Rob Corden, Bob Corden, Rob, hello, Rich Corden, James Corden. <laughs> I got it. Uh, did a thing where they had uh, various uh, hip hop people or celebrities, musical people reading Fire and Fury, Michael Wolf's book, and then Hillary did too. But uh, Trevor Noah went a little further with it. I think it's important to listen. Hillary's Grammy uh, cameo came at a weird moment for her because last night's theme was Me Too, Time's Up, which is a message Hillary found herself on the wrong side of over the weekend. 
Hillary Clinton is now facing accusations that she harbored an accused sexual harasser. Bern Strider, a 2008 campaign advisor, was accused of sexually harassing a young staffer, and Hillary Clinton's campaign manager recommended that she fire him. Strider is accused of inappropriately touching the shoulders of a younger staffer, kissing her forehead, and sending her suggestive emails. When the accusations made their way to candidate Clinton, she decided to dock him pay and to reassign the woman to a new job instead of firing him. Look, there's a few areas where I don't necessarily expect Hillary Clinton to nail it. You know, managing emails, visiting Wisconsin, you know, weaknesses. But I won't lie, I expected standing up for a woman on her staff to be one of her strengths. So the story is disturbing. Hillary learned that one of her female staffers was being sexually harassed. And instead of the man getting fired, the woman got reassigned? Yeah. But all that woman did was come forward. She did what she was supposed to do, and then she got punished for it. It's like when park rangers euthanize a bear who tried to eat a tourist. The bear's like, yo, man, I'm a bear. <laughs> Eating stuff is my whole life. Ask that guy why he was walking around in my living room. What was he doing here? <laughs> and look, it's possible that Hillary Clinton has a good explanation for why she kept this guy on over the objections of her top campaign advisors. But instead of an explanation, all we got was this. Clinton responded on Twitter, stopping short of an apology. Quote, a story appeared today about something that happened in 2008. I was dismayed when it occurred, but was heartened that the young woman came forward, was heard, and had her concerns taken seriously and addressed. I called her today to tell her how proud I am of her and to make sure she knows what all women should. We deserve to be heard. Yeah, women deserve to be heard and then quietly reassigned. Thank you for speaking up. Now into the closet. Shh. Like, I know that this incident happened 10 years ago, and maybe 10 years ago the world was a different place. Uh, but I, I don't know. I thought in 2018, with everything we're learning about now, maybe Hillary might come out and say, hey guys, I realize now that I was part of the problem in the way I handled this. Right. When I look back, I realize I should have done better. Because that's the truth. When we look back on all of our lives, we realize there are moments where we should have done better. But it feels like Hillary's not only trying to dodge all the blame, she wants to present herself as having always been on this woman's side, right. which doesn't fly. Because not only did the woman get reassigned, but this guy, Bernd Strider, he went on to get another job in democratic politics where he got fired for doing the same thing to other women. So you could argue that if Hillary had fired him, she would have been protecting many women instead of just herself. Yeah, I mean, that's the kind of truthiness we're talking about. And I don't, you know, it's funny if you're a Hillary person or a Democrat or whatever, and you hear that and you just go, ah, it feels, ugh. And why? Look at that feeling. Why does it bother you? It bothers you because you loathe the idea that her enemies could be right. More than you are willing to acknowledge that you might have been wrong about Hillary in some ways and not just defend her. And, you know, it's not 100%. Nothing's 100%. Even Trump supporters, they know that. They go, well, he tweets suck. And I saw this great report that CNN did where they went through Trump supporters and asked, you know, what do you think? And they were very honest about how they just didn't like his behavior. They didn't like the fact that he was too focused on himself. They didn't like his tweeting. They didn't like his attacks. They didn't like his vulgarity. They didn't like his bad sexual behaviors. But they were willing to ignore all of that uh, because they wanted to hold on to this idea, some of them, 
not all of them, that they're right and their enemies are wrong. That you know, if I ta- if I had a dime for every time I talked to a Trump supporter and they immediately said, "Yeah, but Hillary would have been worse," you know, maybe, maybe not. It doesn't even matter. To, she's not president. I don't care. Uh, <laughs> we're moving forward now. But if you're a Hillary supporter, you got to ask yourself: Do I want the truth or do I want to soothe myself? Do I want to recognize that this is a major mistake that Hillary made? Apparently. And she didn't. She handled it as you know in a somewhat victimy way, and she tried to like like Trevor said, spin it as well. You know, I I did the best I could. I you know I was I was I congratulated the lady. And it's like I don't doubt her sincerity. I believe she probably did call this woman. Uh, but when two of your advisors say this, you got to give a better explanation. You got to do better. You should have done better. That that's the key part of it, right? And so this continues um, not only on the sexism part. But of course, we're we're getting on the racism part. There was a a, a great moment where uh, on well the sexism part. Let's talk about this first because one the Saturday Night Live did a Me Too thing, which I thought really kind of so I kind of edited a little piece of it here about Aziz Ansari. Remember we talked about this in a previous show where Aziz Ansari, you know, kind of it seems like it was just a miscommunication. He wasn't really you know was in any way assaulty. He was trying you know yes they got sexual and he went a little further than the woman wanted. But when he found that out, he you know owned it. He apologized. You know, and and tried to make good for it, um, and learn from it. But anyway, that story led to this funny sketch where Will Ferrell is hosting, and you know, there's a whole there's a room full of uh, people at a restaurant, and they're about to talk about the Aziz Ansari. And show, watch how this illustrates our discomfort. You know, speaking of the Times, did any of you guys read that op-ed piece? Honey, about... no. What what article are you talking about? The one about Aziz Ansari. And then this whole dark thing, and then it comes back around to the discussion. I'm sorry, we can talk about it. it's something else. I was just curious what everyone thought. But. No, 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 of course. We can, uh, we can talk about it. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I, I think we should. We absolutely should. <laughs> I'll go first. Are you sure you want to do this? Yes, yes, I will speak on the topic of Aziz Ansari. <laughs> I think... Careful. <laughs> yeah. I, I think that some women... Careful. Careful. Or, or rather, um, or some men have a proclivity. Careful. <laughs> Help me. While I applaud the movement... Watch it. <laughs> noted. It's just that I wonder if maybe we're setting it back. God, careful. Okay. How I feel that powerful men almost always abuse. Nope. Okay. Um, look, the thing that I keep going back to is it seems like if she wanted to leave. Oh no. Right? She could have just Oh no. left. <laughs> so it all crumbles away from there, but it, it, the point is you can feel it. I think it's such a great illustration of the comfort we're all trying to figure out the truth of it and how we can walk it without offending anybody. Those who care about not offending somebody or the, there's the other tack, there's the other part of the population who goes, I don't care who I offend. I'm just going to say it. I'm just going to just say it out loud because I'm sick of this political correct stuff. I just want to be me. But they're both, but, but both of those circumstances, you're both trying to find the same answer. 
which is a truth that serves you, that feels true to you, that you can live with, and also doesn't feel like it's you know somehow criminally infringing on somebody else. Because even if you know people say it's a free country, you can do what you want. Well, we also when we say something like that, we also mean that for ourselves as others. That others for other people, it's a free country, and they can do what they want. We don't want to be hypocrites. It just sometimes happens. Um, one more. Speaking on the uh, on the on the part of hypocrites, this amazing moment because I, I, we've been on this trying show trying to figure out how the evangelical Christians can stay with Donald Trump. Right? How does that make any sense? And a very revealing moment happened in the news these last few days, and it was detailed on a little panel uh, with some people, including you'll hear at the end Michael Steele, the former RNC chairman. Uh, from Maryland, you know, former, former governor of Maryland. And it was on Chris Matthews and these other things. Anyway, check this out and you'll see what I mean. Top evangelical leaders out there are turning a blind eye to his past indiscretions. They have even come to the president's defense following recent reports about his alleged affair with adult film star Stormy Daniels. Let's watch. The evangelicals did not vote for Donald Trump based on his moral qualifications, but based upon what he said he was going to do and 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 who he was surrounding himself with we kind of gave him all right you you, you get a mulligan you get a, you get a do over here you you can start <laughs> a mulligan for 70 years of his life <laughs> hey, hey. a mulligan for 7 years of his life continue the, the guy committed he's this is what he's committed to right. and as long as he commits to that and continues on that he will have the support of evangelicals from a policy standpoint he has delivered more than any other president in my lifetime I've wow. never heard Faustian bargains described so well. I mean, basically, they say, as long as you're with us on the issues, you're off. Well, and Chris, they're giving up right. all the moral authority here. I mean, that's the thing. You know, these people, the evangelicals, come to the political game supposedly there to bring their moral authority from their faith. But then they do deals with people like Donald Trump, and they lose it all. That, mm -hmm. I think for a long time that they've been willing to sort of sit underneath the same tent with people who are absolutely not living up. But in all to fairness, the, the they gave a lot of moral credit to Barack Obama for being a good husband and a good father and they never did. messing around anything they like did. that. He was always a good man. Right. Remember, they how, they no to, credit for that. remember right. how they used to give credit, lavish credit on him? Not a minute. Yeah. Right. Not, not a yeah. minute. But you know, it, makes them, it makes the, the, the evangelical community just like every other lobbying group in town. It makes them just like the NRA, which is they want stuff. They want stuff. And if you give them that stuff, then they'll support you. <laughs> Uh, my uh, wow. very simple admonition. There's Michael Steele. Check that out. This is where it gets immediate. admonition at this point. Just shut the hell up and don't ever preach to me about anything ever again. <laughs> oh! I don't want to hear it because after telling me how to live my life, who to love, what to believe, what not to believe, what to do, and what not to do, and now you sit back and if the prostitutes don't matter, yeah. the grabbing the you know, you know what doesn't matter, the, the outright behavior and lies don't matter. To shut up. But if you're a corner, baker, you do not do have thing. to bake a cake for a gay wedding. Yeah. That's, that's one so of your rights. They, anyway. they have no, no voice. Just kidding. Yeah. And a little side note on that, a couple side notes on that, the hypocrisy, right? They said, well, well, you know, he's, he's done stuff for us. It doesn't matter what his morality was. They do it, you know, Pew Research has a lot of polling of just about where people think on such and by demographics. And they did a poll during the Obama administration and they asked evangelicals, do you think that uh, a president must maintain a minimum level of morality, morality in order to be president? 72% of evangelicals said absolutely a president must have a minimum level of morality. And they took that poll again now that Donald Trump is president, and it's down to 31% of evangelicals say that a president has to have moral character <laughs> to go along with his president. And, and, you know, and you go, well, that's just a shot at evangelicals. And I'm, I'm, you're pointing out the hypocrisy of evangelicals. No, I'm trying to point out 
that you want your truth to match who you are. You don't want to BS yourself. It's better to be true to who you are than right, always having to be right. And this is a classic example of that. And, you know, it's funny, you know, Chris Matthews brought up the 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 wedding cake thing for evangelicals. And this is, comes to that argument of whether does it matter if it's true or not? Do I want truth or do I want to soothe myself? One of the funny Facebook things that has been floating around, which is instantly debunked on Snopes, on, you know, PolitiFact, wherever you want to go, is that this story that the Oregon couple who is in trouble, you know, is going to the Supreme Court for depriving uh, homosexuals a wedding cake. You know, they got in trouble. Remember that case in Oregon, right? The story ran around that they won the lottery in Oregon. And the headline of the story is God works in mysterious ways. And it says, these poor people who were put, who were persecuted by, you know, Christian haters, they won the lottery. It's not true. They didn't win the lottery. Does it matter? Not really. I mean, this is the thing. Does it feel good to you? Uh, sure, but it makes you feel better. And I don't really care what your fact is or my fact is, but you do want to ask yourself, what do I believe about myself? Am I being true to myself? Am I BSing myself? Am I a Hillary supporter that says, no, it's different that she let a predator exist in her business in the campaign for 2008, and then when her advisors told her to get rid of that person, she didn't, and that person did more predation later. That's different than Donald Trump. Well, if you're saying that, then you're kind of kidding yourself. And if you're a Donald Trump supporter who's saying that, no, Obama was the biggest criminal ever, this guy obviously is completely innocent and we shouldn't even investigate him when you put up, you know, when you demanded that Trey Gowdy in the House do hundreds of Benghazi investigations, you don't want to live in that hypocrisy. You want to find your truth and you want to find your knowing through, like I said, through history and universal truths that it's all going to pan out, man. This is not, we're not going to implode. The democracy is not over. We're not going to suddenly go, oh, let's let the criminals get away with it and we'll just restructure our institutions so that criminals can do what they want uh, because, you know, they have a a good platform and a news program that makes them sound rad. You know, we're not doing that. America is just fine. Uh, We are going to be better for this. We always are. And as you watch this Devin Nunes memo thing, watch out. Watch how when you act in fear, it creates a worse situation because this stuff is going to just draw more attention to the fact that Carter Page, who is their disputed person in this case, is a Russian uh, conspirator. He's a Russian agent that's been working in the White House. And you don't want to admit that. All right. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next time. I I so appreciate you being part of this process with me because it's going to be fun. This has been Possibility Politics with Jeff Stein. The social, political, pop cultural discussion show that looks at life through the rose-colored eyes of the almost criminally optimistic Jeff Stein. 